0: be reading verses 11 through 22. The Apostle Paul had been at sea on his way to Rome, has had some very difficult times. They had end up, ended up on the island of Malta for three months. Acts twenty-eight eleven. after three months, we set sail in the ship That had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, Though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against, against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you, to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am weary wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that Everywhere it is spoken against. Allow me to pray briefly for God's blessing upon the reading of his word. We pause for your help and for your guidance, Lord. Open our eyes by your light. Open our minds to your spirit and challenge us, Lord to be faithful to you by what we hear this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So Paul has finally found his way or made his way to Rome. He'd been then carried there under guard under the authority of the Roman government because he had made an appeal. The Jews in Jerusalem wanted Paul dead. The Romans, bringing him under trial or bringing him to a hearing, did not see any reason to put him to death. He was a Roman citizen; he had certain rights, and the Roman government would respect that. When the Jews wanted action taken against Paul, Paul made an appeal to Caesar, which was within his right, and so they carried him to Rome so that he may stand trial before the Caesar. When Paul finally got to Rome, there were some brothers there who came for miles just to greet him. Apparently they had already seen the letter he had written to the church at Rome, and they had heard he had arrived, and so they came. And he was encouraged by their presence. He was encouraged by their fellowship. And in verse 16, it says, When we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier that guarded him, and after three days he called together the local leaders of the Jews. There's where I would like to focus this morning. But some of the things that we need Well, let me just focus there. We'll finish out the rest next week. Because he does want the people in Jerusalem, or excuse me, in Rome to know about Christ the Messiah, about the Redeemer. And we see some evidence in the latter verses of this text that the, the Jews who came to hear about Paul had heard about this new sect but they hadn't heard anything about Paul they said we've received no words from Judea about you no one said anything against you but we've heard everything about this new sect this new Jewish religion that calls the Messiah or Jesus the Messiah and everyone is talking against it we want to understand what it's all about We'll get into that part next week. This morning I would like to look at verses 16 and 17. When we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. And after three days he called together the local leaders of the Jews. What can I find out of that? Paul was kind of a tough... Gentlemen, many of our forefathers were. We live in a very comfortable, cozy world. I found a program on television I enjoy watching. It's called Barnwood Builders. You might be familiar with it. This company finds old log cabins, they buy them, they take them down, they reconstruct them, they make any repairs in some of the logs that they find, and then they resell them into new homes so people can use that same wood, that same lumber, that same floor plan, and continue the history of the building. And it's quite fascinating to watch these logs that they find are from the 1800s, and some of them a little earlier, and it's fascinating to see how they were built. Now, they just didn't cut down a tree and lay the log on top of one another. These were log cabins. They did cut the tree. And some of the lengths of the logs are 30 to 35 feet. And they've all been hewn. That means they didn't leave them round, they cut them square. And they didn't have power tools. That takes a lot of labor. That takes a lot of work. What's even more fascinating is that the corners where they put these logs together, they're dovetailed corners and they fit so tight you can't get a screwdriver in after 200 years of standing there. Just think of it, 200 years ago, our forefathers would come to a piece of glad, land, stake a claim for it, file petitions for it, take, proper, take ownership of it. They would cut down the trees, they would form the tree, they would notch the joints, they would clear a field, plant a crop, and then they would wait on the weather. Hard labor and Stress. Perhaps it was a good thing they had to work so hard. If they hadn't worked so hard, the emotional stress would have kept them awake at night. You know, that's one of the things that our generation suffers with emotional stress. Worry. What we need to do is work hard. We get so tired we don't have time to be stressed. Would we do anything like that today? Would be, we be willing to do anything like that today? It's very questionable. It's hard work to build anything. And most of you would agree. It takes a strong heart and it takes mighty faith. It takes a strong heart and mighty faith to build a church. That's precisely what Paul had been doing for years. Have you ever thought about Paul's efforts to spread the gospel? I know you have. We've been studying Acts for quite some time and just going through the events, the trials that he endured. And yet he kept on and he kept on and he kept on. What we see here this morning is a testimony of a faithful life. And not just the testimony of a faithful life, but the effectiveness of a faithful life. In our study of Paul and his missionary journeys and his endeavors, he has suffered quite a lot. He endured a tremendous amount of resistance to his message, to his preaching. But he's also made a big difference. He's planted churches. People have gotten saved. People have come to Christ. People are on a new path now because of what Paul had been faithful to do. In Acts 28, we see that his most recent trial was weeks at sea in contrary winds and in storm, and then three months stranded on the island called Malta. Now, I'm sure today is a lot more, the island of Malta is a lot more luxurious. I think it's a vacation place now, just south of Italy in the middle of the Mediterranean, but back then it was much more rugged, much more raw. None of the things that Paul endured happened with any modern inconvenience or equipment. When we travel on ships today, we're quite comfortable. We first off think of the luxury liners, where people usually take vacations. We can also think of the military ships. They're much more comfortable than anything Paul endured. So he was three months at Malta. They set sail on another ship. For one that brought them to Malta was destroyed on the reefs outside, off the shore of Malta. They first went to a port called Syracuse and to Regium and then Puteoli, and then they made it to Rome. And when they came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. After all that Paul had been through, three missionary journeys, he had been beaten at the temple in Rome, brought under confinement by the Romans, and then sent across seas, stormy seas, to Rome itself. Years in ministry, years enduring resistance. After three days, the Bible says, his food is provided by the Roman government. His room and board, his room is provided by the Roman government. His protection is provided by the Roman government. He's got a guard chained to him. No one's going to beat him. No one's going to molest him. Here's a minister who has been faithful, 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 and literally wearied himself preaching the gospel. After three days, he called a meeting. We live in a day and a time if, if, if a minister receives a call to a church and the church is large enough, ministers today if the church is large enough and can afford it, and most, many of the larger, wealthier churches will do this, the minister will not only ask about his compensation, he will say, how long and how often may I have a sabbatical? And those sabbaticals are usually paid, where they give the minister time off to rest for months at a time. If there was anyone who could ever have any right to ask for a sabbatical, a time of rest, it was Paul. But he gets to Rome and says after three days, he wants to meet everyone. Paul was not afraid to labor for the glory of the Lord. That is a testimony of a faithful life. And he had, his ministry bore fruit. That is a testimony of his effectiveness for the gospel. But I would like to look at something else, a little bit more finer point. Consider the soldier that guarded him. The Bible says he had a soldier chained to him. Or with him and it was probably a rotation of guards four or six hours each rotation 24 hours a day seven days a week someone was already there and the soldier would have heard the gospel because you're not going to sit next to Paul without hearing the gospel and he's not going to leave it alone until you know The Lord Jesus. What a great way to train a missionary. What a great way to disciple somebody. A prisoner that won't shut up about Jesus. And then that soldier. Is paid to go somewhere else in the world. And spread the gospel. Strategic. Marvelous idea. The soldier would have heard the gospel and that soldier would have also witnessed whether Paul believed what he taught. All right, they watch this man very closely and then they, when he comes in, when no one else is looking, how does he live? Does he practice what he preaches? May I ask you something this morning? What do you do with your time when no one is looking? Resting is a good thing to do. I'm not going to make you feel guilty for resting. Just don't become lazy. Taking care of the little matters around your house, tying up all the loose ends of the the things on your to-do list, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel guilty about that. But when there's nothing else to do where does your mind go? Do your temptations draw you away? Whatever you find yourself doing whatever, what do you find yourself doing when no one is looking? What do you desire to do? when no one is looking I remember a preacher asking me this when I was a teenager well he didn't ask me personally I was sitting out there listening but it was just as convicting if you could get away with anything what would that be you ask a teenage boy that and just let his mind go crazy And then the preacher said, whatever you want to do, if no one were looking and you could get away with it, that's the kind of Christian you are. Whoa. Where does your mind go? Do your temptations draw you away? If you could do anything and get away with it without anyone knowing, what would that be? Paul lived a life that was a testimony of faith, publicly and privately. And that was the very thing that made his ministry effective. That is the very thing that made it fruitful and powerful. You don't want to live as a Christian publicly, but in the home be a hypocrite. You don't want to live by two standards. Well, no one's looking. I can yell at my spouse, I can beat my children. But out there, everything's fine. That kind of life is robbed of any spiritual power, any spiritual influence. God does not bless that. It bears no real long lasting fruit. Paul was chained to someone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Someone was always watching. People knew that his personal life needed, or excuse me, Paul knew that his personal life needed to match his, the message he preached. And Paul just didn't endure weariness of his journeys, of his mission work. He endured great anxiety of the heart. You remember me talking about our forefathers working so hard building their homes and planting their crops just to survive that's that's what they had to do to get their groceries we just climb in the car and 20 minutes later we were back with a bag full of whatever we need it took them days weeks months just to get food on the table they didn't have time to be anxious they had plenty of time to be hungry and tired And Paul worked hard at ministry, and he just didn't endure the weariness of the journey. He endured the great anxiety of the heart. Good shepherds watch carefully for the safety of their flock. And Paul, although he wasn't a full-time single church pastor, he was a good shepherd. Good shepherds watch Watch carefully for the safety of their flock. Good shepherds care deeply for the safety of their flock. And there comes in the emotional anxiety. They're doing everything they can to work for the ministry publicly in their efforts. But then they're also caring for those whom they watch over and whom they teach. Paul found himself writing a second letter to the church at Corinth because false prophets had come in bringing them a false gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's challenging, he's, he's asking him, he's frustrated, he is fearful about these false prophets that came in with a false gospel. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. Oh my goodness, I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments. With countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, and forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger of rivers, from rivers. Danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. The Apostle Paul gave testimony to how much he had suffered in order that the church might grow. And someone comes in teaching his flock false doctrine, false teaching, lies from the serpent. And he says, I am indignant. I am angry. How dare, he's saying to his church at Corinth, how dare you follow another gospel. He calls them on the carpet. That's a testimony of a faithful life. Apostle Paul ever take a sabbatical? Did he ever take rest? No. I don't think I could have ever done what he did. He would be beaten, get right back up, and keep on preaching. Professional ministry in America has a very high attrition rate. It means people drop out, ministers drop out of the ministry, lickety split. Between 1,300 and 1,500 pastors resign or are fired every month. not because of moral failure. I was looking at some information. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but out of about 28 reasons, a lot of these ministers list is why they left the ministry. Out of all of them, the number one reason pastors leave the ministry is church people are not willing to go to the sa- go to the same direct go in the same direction, or the goal of the pastor. Pastors believe God wants them to go in one direction, but the people are not willing to follow or change. That's what was happening at the church at Corinth. They didn't want to follow Paul's lead anymore. They wanted to follow another gospel, a lie. In most modern day, pastors get so weary of things like this, they just give up. But Paul never took a sabbatical. He kept fighting. He kept keeping on. I know quite a few pastors and we get together every now and then and I, very often I getting to know one another have you ever thought about leaving the ministry and nearly to the man I was like, yes every Monday morning so I know what they're talking about I know what they feel but we're looking at the testimony of a faithful life in the life of Paul and may we as Christians find strength to keep on to be faithful as he was shall we pray Father as we come to this table we pray this morning that you may help us be faithful to you help us understand that we have called to serve we have been called to serve help us to understand that we belong to you and that we no longer have any right to be distracted We have no right to be tempted away, to be drawn away from former lust. All of that has been taken away in the redemption that Christ provides. Give us the strength of faith to overcome the temptations and live each and every one of us testimony of a faithful life so that we may glorify you, that our lives might be effective for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.